0: Particularly we had one entry who was actually a refugee. He was in a refugee camp in Kenya. And with the limited amount of internet that he had, he was able to post an idea, he was able to be spotted by the people who are running this program and actually participate.
1: Bruno Songane is a project manager at Goodwall, a professional development community for youth around the world. Over the past five years, he has been part of various initiatives in pursuit of Goodwill's mission to empower the next generation of talent through their learning and earning journeys, including the creation of Better Together Africa program designed to support emerging young talent in the continent. He was born and spent his childhood in Mozambique and now calls Geneva, Switzerland home. Thank you to Open Design Africa for inviting us to collaborate on this five-part series under their theme, Africa Rising. Head to opendesignafrica.org for more information about them and aerobidesignweek.com to check out the other episodes from this series. This is Africa Design, Africa with a K. I'm Naitiemu. Thank you for joining us.
2: Hi, Bruno. How are you? Hi, Jordan. I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So thanks for joining me. I've been really looking forward to, uh, to speaking with you. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I tried listening to a couple of podcasts already
0: from your website. And yeah, it just seems like a really interesting topic. So yeah, just looking forward
2: to the conversation. Oh man, that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for taking the time to check them out. Which ones did you listen to?
0: It was the one where your guest actually had a connection previously with you. So you guys had met a long time ago, and then you was just telling the story about how you met, and then it just went on from there.
2: Cool. Where are you then? So yeah,
0: right now, currently, I'm in my office in Geneva, Switzerland. So this is where we're based. This is where I've spent the past 10 to, yeah, around 13 years, actually. But yeah, I originally came from Mozambique.
2: And I've seen that you've been at Goodwall. And you studied at Loughborough University, is that correct? Yes, I did. Same as me. Oh, no way. That's very cool. I graduated before you, 2010 Industrial Design. That's a good
0: course. I think of all the things Loughborough is known for, besides the sports, I think we're sure, showing the design engineering schools really highly rated. So I think you did well there. <laughs> How
2: was your time there? Oh, this feels really good. I did management. Yeah. So how did you get to that stage? You were born in Maputo, in Mozambique, as you said. What was your journey to there and to where you were?
0: Yeah, so I was actually born in Beira, in Mozambique. I spent a couple of years there, two, three years there. Then I moved down to Maputo. So essentially, the majority of, of moves were due to my dad's job. So I moved down to Maputo and he got a job in the government there. And then I stayed in there until around 2006. Then the reason we came to Switzerland is because my dad came here to work for the WHO. So the whole family came on. And then I started studying at the international school here in Geneva. And what was really encouraged in terms of international school here is when you go to university, you don't really stay in Switzerland. You just go to different countries. So from then on, just as I was making my choices, Loughborough really stood out to me in terms of wedding facilities, which was really important to me because sports is a big part of my life, but also the actual quality of education when it came to business and like those rankings. So a mix of that just led me to Loughborough. It was nice to be there as a student. I don't think I would have enjoyed living too much in the UK. Mm-hmm. I came back to Geneva.
2: Okay. And then you've been at Goodwill really your entire career so far, right?
0: Yeah, that's another interesting part. I wasn't really too interested in the idea of like, you know, starting your own company, being in that whole entrepreneurial vibe. In my final years of high school, I was thinking more like your typical, okay, I've taken economics, I've taken all like the subjects you're supposed to take, you're going to go to good business school and you're going to get a great job in a nice corporation and so on. That's kind of the mindset I had. But then I did the international baccalaureate, which is essentially this international program for people finishing up high school. And one of the considerations was CAS. So that's creativity, action, service. So you had to take up a bunch of different projects, whether it's volunteering, creative, whatever. And in one of those projects, we decided to do this cool fundraiser where we created this football tournament with a bunch of our friends in order to raise some money for the Homeless World Cup Foundation. In that case, we kind of left to our own devices, we kind of had to figure out how we're going to do it, go get permissions from whoever we need to get permission, figure out how the whole logistics would work out. And just like four or five of us figuring things out, doing like promotion on social media via our friends. And I think that's where they got that first spark is like, okay, this is really interesting. The fact that we created this whole thing, just us, mm-hmm. with the resources that we had, and that kind of, I think, stuck in the back of my mind. Fast forward to like first year university, part of Loughborough's course, I don't know if you did it as well. But We have to do a placement year as part of our course. So it's a year in industry. It's up to you to decide what company you work for and so on. So after my first year, I was just kind of thinking of all the different places I wanted to go to. Those corporations I was previously talking about suddenly seemed a lot less interesting to me because I felt I really wanted to take ownership of something. So along came the opportunity at Goodwall. It was based back at home, so I didn't need to worry too much about accommodation in that. And then I got started on that as a summer intern in the summer of 2015, I believe. I would call it a baptism of fire. <laughs> I think that's how I it. I came in there with, I mean, very little work experience or none at all. And essentially, I was pretty much just saying yes to everything that they asked me. So like, hey, can you look at this? Can you look at that? We have this really cool project that we want to get started on. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can take it on. In my mind, I had no clue whatsoever if I was able to do that. Mm-hmm. I think Google was my best friend throughout the entire internship. But in the end, I was lucky enough in which I really found my environment and the mission that the company was about. I just found a way to thrive. And then they asked me, hey, do you want to keep working with us while you're at uni? I said yes, because I just was really enjoying it. Probably from a time management-wise at uni, it was the smartest decision, but I made it work. And then I came back from my placement year to do like an actual year there. And then I came back again I'm working at uni and to work at full time.
2: So baptism of fire, I saw one of your colleagues described you as the MacGyver of the marketing team. Yeah. (laughs) Why is that? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I guess you'd say the reason he would call me MacGyver is because I was able to essentially jump into a lot of different functions and kind of cross-departmental asks of me. I was doing some of your classical digital marketing stuff right so ads online and so on which is really cool but then I was asked to work on some projects which required some work with the product team as well so I was able to kind of use whatever skills I had to make sure that we could implement different initiatives and projects within the platform while liaising with product and marketing to make something really nice happen and then another thing is that we wanted to start up an ambassador program for example Mm -hmm. so that's completely different from online marketing. That's a lot of communication with people. It's face-to-face, you get on a lot of calls, make sure that people actually trust you and believe that you're genuine. And then we essentially, along with Vijay, we essentially built that out to a, a community of thousands of ambassadors of Goodall, who good, all who passionate about the platform and what we wanted to do, evangelizing us um, throughout their campuses and schools around the world. I think the fact that I was able to adapt whatever skills or whatever traits I had to make sure I'm successful in whatever function was given to me. I think that's what he meant by MacGyver.
2: Mm. That's important, especially when you're coming in to show that initiative, right?
0: Yeah, I think for a lot of young people who are just getting into their first internships or their first job, I think it's incredibly important to show that you are capable of doing more than what is asked of you. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you come into an intern who is specifically in a very specific part of the marketing department, right? Even within the projects that you're working on to demonstrate that like, okay, we've worked on this project, but what happens if we take project X and maybe we can merge it with project Y or initiative Z, And we create something even bigger and better. And I think that's what really makes you stand out in terms of how your managers or your superiors view you. And it can really help you get ahead in your career. Obviously, that depends if as well the company you choose, if they give that ability for you to take ownership and to really carry the products in the way that you want to.
2: Thanks for that. It's really good to just enjoy and explore and use the skills that you have, right? So sometimes an organization won't even realize that you have all these skills that could be contributing and if you put your own spin on things it could prove a lot of value. So you started talking about some of the projects you're working on or you've worked on at wall. Mm-hmm. so what's the range of things that you're working on there? Yes
0: yeah, so currently we're working on a series of projects which are really related to ensuring the young people, let's say, given the tools or the platform to really showcase their abilities beyond their CV, beyond just their educational background, and really showcase to either their peers or to potential recruiters or companies that they are talented. Just because you might have not had the right grades that they're expected doesn't mean you don't have the skills necessary, Mm. especially when it comes to things that are less replicable by automation, right? So talking about personal communication with your teammate, public speaking, all these different soft skills that are incredibly unique and actually very tough to become very good at. Mm -hmm. The more that they can display that, the better they can make themselves stand out. One major project that we actually recently wrapped up was called Better Together. And this program really came as a response to the wild Mm -hmm. year that we had in 2020. So right as the COVID pandemic hit, A lot of internships, jobs, and just general opportunities for young people were either put on hold or completely cancelled. And that is rough, especially when you really thought that, okay, this is my first thing. This is my first gig. It's really my time to shine. And then all of a sudden, it's taken away from me. And at Goodwall, our mission is to really empower the next generation to take ownership of their futures and to really connect with each other and do things that leave a positive impact in society. So here we are. In a place where we can't offer these kids jobs because they're not there, there's many things that we can't do. But we have to think, what can we do? Just us. I know we're like a, we're startup. We don't have the amazing resources that the big Fortune 500 have. But what is it that we still can do? So we looked at the features um, that we had via our platform. So we're a mobile app company first. So we had like your profile where you can showcase what we call achievements, which is a form of content that you add to your profile, which is much more visual. So you can use video images along with description, which essentially mark the milestones that you achieve throughout your learning and earning journey. We had a feed, which was based off of interests, where peers could connect based off the things they're passionate about. So climate activists from South Africa to Nigeria to Mm -hmm. India, connecting over a common goal. So we started looking at all these different features that we had, and we kind of came to the conclusion that okay, so we have companies on one end that are still looking to help youth. We are still looking to help youth and there's youth out there looking for help. So we decided to combine all that together with a consortium of about, I believe, 35 partners ranging from big corporations to United Nations organizations to student organizations. And what that was, was a five-week online series of virtual challenges, which was designed to build First, those Mm -hmm. future-ready skills I mentioned before about public speaking and so on, just general sense of optimism. Mm -hmm. So to give young people a sense of purpose throughout this five-week period, so just over a month, and also to build up confidence. The fact that, hey, I am able to still showcase my talents and achievements, which is actually being seen by industry experts and so on, and my peers who will give me feedback, give me support throughout the program, Mm -hmm. which was equally as important. In the end as well, what we had is we brought in a series of expert speakers who would give advice and just more inspirational, insightful content to youth around the globe. So we had about 60 speakers ranging from the professional football players to people who worked at NASA to people from all walks of life coming together to give advice on specific problem areas, skills, or just general confidence, mental health, and so on. And then in the end, we did also want to reward those who really stood out throughout the program. So we handed out about $25,000 in prizes in various different forms. So we had just standard cash prizes. We had awards in the form of entries to accelerator programs, for example, or potential virtual internships that people can do. So anything that would help them along their learning and earning. We had about six weeks for us to put this all together. So just imagine the communication, the back and forth with all the partners involved. The logistics of getting the speakers on, making sure that, I mean, we were literally releasing features right up to like a couple of weeks before the program, just to make sure that the students who come onto the platform have a great enough experience. And then throughout the program itself, just making sure that the community management and the moderation is going as expected. We got some really great results. Around 97% of participants felt that they actually gained more optimism and confidence in their skills, which is really important for us to hear because it was kind of a pilot program for us and we just wanted to see that things would work out. And then we had some really positive feedback from our partners as well, um, which is really encouraging. And uh, yeah, it really gave us a nice bit of momentum to really take this initiative on to develop in the future as well.
2: I'd love to know more about what plans are for that. And wanted to ask actually first, for my benefit and those listening, how does Goodwall function? You know, you're a startup, What's the structure and how do these programs fit into what you're doing? And how do you keep going?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So the way Goodwill functions is I guess we can say we work under three main pillars. So just for general context, Goodwill, we're a professional development community for the next generation. So really functioning within the age range of 16 to uh, 24, 25. And we're a community over 1.5 million students so far around the globe. And the way we function is under the three main pillars of what we call the profile. So I briefly touched on that, which is all about mm-hmm. showcasing who you are, what your talents are in a much more dynamic way. So beyond your CV, beyond your grades, your education background, through the different content types that I mentioned. So the achievements, which mark the milestones, we have the ability to post what we call ideas. So we like to say that's kind of a TikTok meets Shark time. So selfie style, 60 seconds on how you can make the world a better place. And then we also have the ability for students to ask questions in which they source feedback from their peers or from even mentors on the platform on just general advice and struggles throughout their learning and earning journey. And then we, of course, you have the general post because at the end of the day, we do have a social networking element. So we need to give the tools for the students to do that. So that's the profile. Moving on to the feed. This is where it's providing the most relevant and unique experience from the user's perspective. So there you have what you see, for example, LinkedIn and Instagram, you scroll through, but what you see, there's people who share the same interest to you. So that's, so you'd see a bunch of people achieving milestones and sharing ideas, and as well as people around you. So if you're based in, let's say Kenya, you'd also see Kenyans, what amazing inspirational things they're getting up to. The whole function of the feed is really to make sure that every day you come onto it, you find something new and something inspirational and something that drives you to do something positive within your local community as well finally we have the opportunities section and this is where let's say the most transactional elements to the app so that's uh, your jobs your scholarships your internships volunteering opportunities online courses everything that i guess you can apply for in terms of developing yourself from a professional perspective and also a personal perspective So we do provide those opportunities as well and we do partner with different companies and corporations to ensure that there's something there for everyone
2: i asked maybe just about the team
0: we are very let's say international team so diverse and distributed so we have our main headquarters in geneva switzerland but we have over 60 employees scattered around the globe so we have some employees in the united states we have quite a few employees in the philippines And around Europe, such as Serbia, for example, and they all do a variety of different roles. So from we have some engineers, designers in the Philippines, we have copywriters across Europe, marketing professionals in the US. So we go where the talent is. And it's really, I think, helped make our company much more outward looking from a global perspective
2: and uh, much more effective as well. Thanks for that. I did look at the website and it seemed like you're very distributed, lots happening and using the skills of people in different places. So, you must have come across so many inspirational stories and things you wouldn't have expected on the feed and from the projects that people are are turning out. So, could you maybe share some of the most surprising or the most exciting ones you've come across?
0: Yeah, so I think one that comes to mind that's quite recent is. As part of Goodwill, with the platform we have, we're able to work with various organizations or opportunity providers who can leverage our platform to connect with students so they can go on and kind of go on to these more formal ways of learning, right? So one interesting project that we worked on was called the Open17 Challenge. So this is run in conjunction with University of Geneva, Tsinghua, a couple of institutions in Africa as well. And this design is a five-week, we can call it boot camp. Which is designed to take students ideas from literally the idea phase like i'm just talking about my idea in 60 seconds to a prototype that's actually feasible in the real world so with a business model business plan and so on so what was really truly inspirational amazing about that is that we had students from all walks of life all backgrounds participating in the program and it really just shed a light on the type of talent that you can find regardless of where you are so particularly we had one entry who was actually a refugee he was in a refugee camp in Kenya and with the limited amount of internet that he had he was able to post an idea he was able to be spotted by the people who were running this program and actually participate and I think in certain cases we were helping people who had difficulties with data pay for their airtime just to make sure that they didn't mess out in any of the sessions Mm. for me that's always a reminder of why I started working at this company in the first place is because it's kind of a way of trying to level the playing field the fact that you're giving the opportunity for those who otherwise wouldn't even have the chance. Mm-hmm. And then from that same program, it's the fact that young people can actually provide real-world solutions that are viable and that are innovative. The most recent example is there was a Mexican team who came up with an idea to use AI to address water shortages in, uh, in Monterrey, in Mexico. So they went through the program. They really refined the idea with the help of these experts and mentors and which allowed them to actually get funding from um, different corporations. And now they're really taking this thing to the next level. So it was just a group pitch. And now they're like starting up their company. They're really trying to go on and make something real. And I think that's also equally as important in terms of encouraging that entrepreneurial mindset um, among young people to have that idea that if I have the resources around me or some way to take my idea and make it real, it's actually possible. And I think this is becoming increasingly possible as uh, we become more technologically enabled. We just hope to see this trend continue as well.
2: Goodwill really seems, like you said, it's accessible. I want to ask really, who's it for? Without saying everyone, right? But to share with people, really get on this and, and check it out. Who should be checking it out? I mean,
0: who should be checking out is anyone who wants to make themselves or the world a little bit better is welcome on Goodwill. Of course, we focus on that age demographic of 16 to 25, because that's how we define as the next generation who are just entering the workforce. So that's what we really try to provide that um, niche experience for. But I mean, if you still have that passion, that, that desire to, you know, empower young people, if you're, let's say, an older person, and just be inspired every day, I think it's a great place to be. I mean, based on the feedback of our users, the community is quite a supportive place. And um, so far, things are looking good on Goodwall. And it's truly unique when you go through the feed and see just people from everywhere encouraging what this person that they've seen on the internet, they've not met in person, saying, this is great, keep doing what you're doing, you're inspiring me, and so on. So that's who Goodwall is for in the grand scheme of things. And then, of course, we do create these programs which are more targeted at specific groups. So with what I mentioned with Better Together, now because of that initial success of the pilot program, we're looking to start Better Together Africa. Okay, And this is what I'm actually going to be speaking about later at the Open Design Africa Festival. And this is really a follow-on from that program, particularly in relation with UNICEF and Generation Unlimited. It's taking the same idea of providing that series of online challenges and providing those skill development, confidence development, professional insights, and really focusing on talented people across the continent. And essentially, what we aim to get from there is even more, let's just say, better results in terms of impact that we create. So it's going to be really a lot of research and let's say analysis on our part to make sure that we're really tracking both on the quantitative and the qualitative level What are the results coming out of this? Because you want to make sure we're as accurate and as impactful as possible with youth in Africa to take those programs on to scale them and make them even bigger and better than they were before.
2: On Open Design Africa, the theme is Africa Rising. And you'll be discussing, I think we'll all be discussing the ideas of small is massive and design for change. So you've started talking about that. What to you does small is massive mean? and design for change? Small
0: is massive. For me, that means that small acts shouldn't be undermined. If you, from a perspective of an individual, if you think that, oh, I don't want to do this because if I do it, uh, what's the difference, right? Who's going to really notice? Who's going to, what difference am I going to make in the world? But that you should definitely do it because think about it. If you do it and then your neighbor sees you doing it, and then your neighbor tells your neighbor, and then that spreads throughout the community and on a regional basis, on a national level, international level, then all of a sudden those small acts combined together make a massive impact. Again, it's just that focus on individual human action to generate significant change. I think that's what small of ma- is massive means to me. Mm. And then in terms of designing for change, I think again, this fits in with the mission that we're trying to do at Goodwall is the fact that In terms of the systems, the projects, the initiatives that people work on and create, the idea of creating positive impact or positive change within the community or the international level, that should always be at the forefront of your design. So let's say you're creating, uh, I don't know, you're creating a new schooling system. So you're thinking with the new schooling system, is this going to really help the society that it's built for? It's going to help students have a better learning experience. It's going to help parents feel better about sending their students to school right so just taking in that societal change element at the forefront rather than let's say all about profits or all about the bottom line which Mm -hmm. yes it is important but we need a lot more focus on um the other end as well
2: how do you share design on the platform or how do you incorporate it
0: so in terms of sharing design on the platform i think when it comes to let's say people who work in a lot more visual elements of design so a lot of UI stuff, uh, graphic design, and so on. I think the platform is pretty conducive for users to share this because it's very much image visual first. So the first thing you see when you're scrolling through your feed, you're going to see a beautiful design. You can say, wow, this is really cool. Who is this person? What are they working on? You can go in their profile, and then you have their like their online portfolio ready to go built by Goodwall. You just go through there and then see more of your work. So I think from that perspective, designers or young designers can really get their work out there and it's really interesting to see from how they connect with their peers um, even beyond their initial borders right we've had designers who've connected from japan connected with someone in mexico because they happen to share a particular interest in some design some particular type of design and they started working together and started creating really cool things from there we call it one plus one equals three as in Similar things with similar end goals, but they don't really know that the other exists. When you bring them together, you create something that's a lot more effective or bigger than they thought it could be.
2: It's been really interesting talking to the Open Design Africa, people who may not be considered designers in the traditional sense, but people who are really preaching design and using design and those methodologies and that mindset. So have you got any thoughts on that? Maybe as someone who's been using design, you've got a related degree, I guess, anyway.
0: I don't consider myself a designer. I mean, in my title, I a project manager. I had a management background. But for sure, in terms of design thinking, I think I've developed that much more over the years. So as I was working... I worked quite closely with designers in terms of whether it's creating marketing campaigns or UX designers in terms of designing how people would actually go on and use the app, what steps would they take and analyzing that. And I think it's really cool for me to see the fact that I could take these elements and just apply it to so many different areas of work or or business. With one thing that I learned with designers, at least in the feedback stage, is that you've given a project to like, okay, you want to revamp the app. You want to make the UI and the UX much better. What the designers did in that process is they went around, talked to different members of the team within the company to see what the thoughts were, what they thought Goodwill meant to them, what they thought users would care about using more. And then based on all that feedback, they went back and provided a project that took that into account and that was much more inclusive of everyone's thoughts and opinions, right? I really learned and appreciated that in the fact of when I was creating or suggesting different program structures. So if I wanted to, let's say, design a new ambassador program for XYZ, I definitely adopted that approach of like, I needed to see who my stakeholders were, what their thoughts, what their priorities were, and how could I design something that fits all of that. Throughout my time, I've definitely taken on some design principles here and there just to see and applied it in my own way to the work that I do, Uh, that's really benefited me in terms of making me a much better colleague or much
2: better teammate to work with. Have you got any tips for designers on how to work with non-designers?
0: I think it's important to understand who you're talking to. If you're talking to an engineer, like I'm talking to someone who works, let's say on the back end, and you're trying to explain design in the way you explain it to a marketer, then you're probably not going to have a great time. Mm -hmm. In the stereotypical way, engineers and marketers don't really view things in the same way, even if they have the same goals. So I think understanding nuance and understanding context is very important in terms of presenting your work. Because from a designer's perspective, they want to get the best, most constructive feedback possible. So if they're not presenting the work in a way that kind of fits the context of the person that they're presenting to, then the person won't have the ability to give the right feedback. They'll just say something like, uh, that doesn't make sense. That just doesn't help, right?
2: nice. What about vice versa? non-designers working with designers
0: um, yeah <laughs> So yeah so like so for people like me <laughs> similarly take the time to really go through what the designer is presenting or like understand that this designer has put in probably a lot of work into it. It's probably their baby. If someone provides a uh, design prompt, a design brief, don't look over it in five seconds or in five minutes and then leave your quick comments there because you're not giving the respect and you're not giving the time the designer put in to give your proper feedback. Both parties are going to be left unhappy because on one side they don't understand your feedback and the other side you get the impression that they're not really listening to you, right? But if you take the time to sit down with the designer, actually go through the process and understand, then the
2: process goes a lot better in my experience. That's really useful both ways. Have you come across, kind of linking back to future careers as well, and you said that skills that are under threat especially, have you seen any careers that are just currently being created that have surprised you or interest you in a particular way?
0: Yeah, interest me, I think it's the fact that at least on the product side, you're suddenly getting the request for these roles that are so specific, but that very little people have the skills for because it's just so new. Like when you're talking about AI engineers or specific areas of artificial intelligence or machine learning roles or big data roles, that rise of these type of roles have been really interesting for me because it's kind of, in a way, it's kind of setting things back to zero in terms of your experience, right? For example, if you take an engineer who has a ton of experience in something that's completely unrelated to artificial intelligence, and then you ask them, hey, can you take this on? It can be pretty tough. But if you had someone who's just coming into their first career or like been studying this in uh, university or college, depending on where you are, and that's artificial intelligence has been everything that they've been studying, then all of a sudden they might have leg up. So I think having this kind of, opportunity for people with different experience levels to suddenly take control of this role and really grow quickly because they're essentially one of the few who know how to do it properly. That's been really, um, really interesting for me to see. This for sure, there's much more roles in which this applies to. And I think it represents an amazing opportunity for young people in particular to take advantage of if they want to have this type of career path that enables them to really grow much faster than they thought they could and take ownership of something that's uh, really exciting in terms of developing product or developing an initiative and yourself as well.
2: As jobs are becoming more skills-based rather than maybe qualifications-based, I got this impression anyway that we had to become, even as designers, good at one thing and that's it. I always had this mind that enjoyed different creative fields. Is there a chance that now as fields are becoming more skills-based, that people are going to have more of an opportunity to become generalists, perhaps?
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make. Personally, I'm of the belief that one of the most important skills you can have in the future workplace is adaptability. Because it's not a question of if things will change, it's when things will change. So. When those things change, when your situation at work changes, or suddenly your role is maybe disappearing or changing, you need to be ready to adapt and thrive in that new role. For me, personally, that's something I've experienced in just five years of working in the same company. The fact that all of a sudden our product changed, and that mean, which means that we have different ways of organizing programs that we're running, or suddenly I have to jump into another role, a slightly different department, and I have to adapt all the time. I was constantly been adapting for the five years. And I think with my conversations that I've had with both my friends, mentors, or people who are just further ahead in the career path, and I think this is a sense that I get as well. Being a generalist is more valuable than maybe the impression you would have, let's say 10, 15 years ago, in which that Mm -hmm. if you're like super specialized in something, then it's probably the best route to go. Of course, This doesn't always apply to every industry. There's a wide variety of different sectors and roles where being a generalist or just someone who's very open to flexibility, I think those are going to be some really successful
2: people. So this metaphor of a surgeon using the tools and having to specialize and the designer and the creative using the tools and having to specialize. So what if... All the surgeons in their specialties are replaced by specialized machines and the job itself becomes a machine operator, surgical machine operator. I guess maybe that's where we're heading.
0: Yeah, I just saw what you're trying to say that I, with like these super specialized tasks, I think there are cases in which machines could take that over. Take the case of also accounting. I think there's, there were cases where you had these specialized accountants for different functions, but now it's being replaced by literally software or different types of automation and all of a sudden that job is well gone and then with the person who's lost a job you ask yourself the question of okay what do you have left what you have left that's not Mm -hmm. um that a software machine cannot replace i think that just brings us back to the overall theme of having these future ready skills and what are the soft skills that you can focus on that you're good at that you can transfer to all the different workplaces and all the different industries that you can think of Um, because that's going to be important.
2: You've mentioned the World Health Organization a couple of times, and you mentioned that your dad worked there as well. So the main question really was going back to your dad and his influence and his time at the WHO. But if you've got other thoughts on the WHO, I'd love to know as well.
0: In terms of my dad, the WHO, he was particularly focused on the issue of maternal health, which is, um, of course, a very noble cause in terms of reducing the rates of maternal death, in terms of delivering babies and so on. So my general thoughts on the WHO, I think it plays a vital role in global public health. So in terms of the U.S. withdrawing funding as of next year, it's going to be a big blow for all the different initiatives that are going on Um, globally, I mean. To take this pandemic, there are are countries who don't have the resources, who didn't have the capacities without the WHO to actually tackle this pandemic properly. You have people on the ground who are teaching, providing support in terms of maintaining public health. And I think the role it plays is incredibly important and it's very hard for one country or almost impossible for one country to do on their own. For sure, like any other major organization or major international entity, it has its criticisms. But I think it's better to, for its member nations to probably address these criticisms as part of the organization rather than uh, withdrawing. My parents, they were always involved in health and involved in public health as well. So just seeing them work in service of people who were struggling or ill or just less fortunate i think that really inspired me to help instill some important life values in terms of how i want to work and what and the things i want to do right in terms of um, the type of work or the type of company i work for
2: i was wondering because i know i owe a lot to the mentors physical, virtual, and it's something we talk about a lot on the show, uh, our mentors. And you've discussed them as well on Goodwall. What are the facilities for mentorship on Goodwall?
0: The way we've done mentorship is via a couple of uh, different mediums. So one of the ways is one-to-many mentoring. In kind of a short scale so that's through for example the better together program we had these speaker sessions right in which anyone could come and attend ask a bunch of questions and get get some insights that they couldn't you know easily find on google and we've done this throughout the years so we've done before some ex- longer exclusive q a sessions so we brought in experts from different industries and then particularly targeted users within our community who have that particular interest. So we had someone who was uh, looking to provide a more sustainable way to make food, I believe. And then we had people who had those different interests. And then we said, hey, come on here and you can really learn something new that's relevant to your course or to your work or what just your passion. And that's what we've tried to do with our live Q&A sessions. I think this is something we don't do as much anymore, but maybe... Well, I personally hope we can bring it back in the future. And then we do also have cases of one-to-one mentoring. Right now, it's not something that's very formal within the app. If it's the case in which um, a mentor and a mentee happen to connect following a session, then of course, they're free to have that one-on-one conversation via, uh, via Goodwill, because we have the chatting facilities and conversation features on the app to ensure that that happens. And of course, especially when it comes on a one to one mentoring level, we want to ensure that it's still a very safe experience, um, especially from the mentee side.
2: As the MacGyver of the Goodwill marketing team, how are you bringing this to people? How have you got so many happy users beyond the experience? And how are you bringing, sharing the message and bringing it to people?
0: We do it in a variety of ways. So, of course, we have a typical online, uh, let's call them online ads, creating some really compelling copy regarding what Goodwill is about, what the mission is about, why you should join. We're really working hard right now on our socials and our social accounts to make sure that we're presenting the face that matches the mission. But we also work with influencers too. We found that influencers can be much more effective in terms of getting to this generation particularly, because they're the ones who have a much better connection to young people when I say young people it's I mean it's literally my generation and then they just spread the word about Goodwill and uh, to their audience and that's another form. and then we also have offline ways as well <laughs> right now it's not the best time to do it considering most people are stuck inside mm. but we have done various offline initiatives which uh, are great for just getting to really have those one-on-one face-to-face conversations with students to talk to them about Goodwill to kind of communicate the benefits that we have for example last year we had the global entrepreneurship week here in Geneva and we organized a on-site pitch event about again pitching an idea in 60 seconds to make the world a little better and that was just a really great way of a really fun way of getting people to you know talk about what problems they're facing what do they want to solve and it really helps us from a product perspective as well when we're talking face-to-face with these students to get those qualitative insights, transmit them back to our team and make something that's even better for
2: all users involved. These pitches, the 60-second pitches, I'm really interested from all those pitches that you've seen and you've helped to build. Have you got any general advice for those creating a 60-second pitch?
0: Yeah, so 60 seconds is a very short amount of time (laughs) to present. A whole idea that you think will make the world a better place so i would focus on getting to the point of what your project is supposed to do in terms of who it helps how it helps and why it matters just letting your audience understand what you're trying to do and why you're trying to do it and also when you're presenting remember that this is the video pitch and you're speaking you need to believe in your idea you need to show your audience that you believe in that idea so when you're speaking, is uh, put some emotion into it <laughs> don't exaggerate but just, mm-hmm. it's okay to smile um, <laughs> don't be too nervous just enjoy yourself i think when you're enjoying yourself in any sort of speaking capacity it comes across as a much more pleasant experience on the on the viewing or the audience side as
2: well i find that useful as well
0: i think we talked a lot about change flexibility adaptability and so on right and we talked about passion as well but that doesn't mean that you should be switching or changing things every time you feel like things are getting tough from my personal experience even that summer internship and many times throughout my career so far where i thought that maybe i'm not cut off for this or maybe i messed up too one too many times or this is not what i want to do i want to change but i think resilience and consistency is really important if you're trying to achieve something that's truly significant in your life or something that you can be proud of, you definitely need to get through those tough moments. So when something doesn't go right or doesn't go according to plan, instead of focusing on, oh, no, I failed, focus on, okay, how can I learn from that? How can I be better the next time? How can I not let that happen again? Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I had to learn pretty quickly because I think one of the first failures I had was this program that in my head, I was like, there's no way this can go bad. Absolutely no way. And then... (laughs) naturally it went bad and i just kept like going over it over it again and again it's like how could i have done that like how could i have let that happen you just go into this terrible spiral of overthinking and too much dwelling on the past but then because of the pace of things at a startup you need to move on to the next project move on to the next thing that you need to do i kind of just had to convince myself and essentially it's a, really a process of just failing learning failing learning with some successes along the way which in the time or in the midst of it it might seem like you're not really going anywhere and then you know you get to the place where people ask you how's work going (laughs) or how are things going and you're like you know same old right and if you say i want to focus on the same old that's what i talk about when it's consistency because when you keep doing that over and over again eventually you're going to get to those big wins where like um Mm -hmm. oh you finally get to that goal that you wanted to reach to that milestone. And then when you look back on all the work and the failures that went into that, that's where the resilience and the consistency comes in. I think that would be a really nice piece of advice that I wish I'd gotten when I first started on my career.
2: That reminded me of my question as well. Actually you've just brought it up again that kind of being a startup and just starting out. So how can small startups just forming their ideas or just launching, how can they focus their marketing?
0: I think 100% you need to have your value prop down to a T, as in, you cannot be confused about what you're doing. Because if you're confused about what you're doing, that will come across in your messaging and the audience will be confused about what you're doing. So when I talk about value prop, it's identify that one problem. I can't do X. How is your startup solving Y? And how do you do it better than your competition? If you start off from that mindset, then a lot of other things start making sense. So, in your product developments, what features are you going to develop? Well, if it's not solving problem X that we mentioned, then we should, probably shouldn't be focusing on that, right? So, it gives you that kind of uh, clarity of mind in terms of pursuing product development, pursuing your marketing messages, pursuing your business development in terms of what you're trying to do there. Um, and I think it really is the foundation of a lot of, of some really strong marketing. And on that side, so, I mean, that's like more of the technical or the more boring side. But I think on the marketing side, it's like, you're, I mean, you're a startup. Embrace the fact that you're a startup. So have fun with the marketing you do. Think outside the box. Embrace the different mediums that are at your disposal. I mean, today you can go on so many different platforms to limit yourself to what has previously been done before. I mean, I would recommend really just looking further than that. Mm -hmm. today people's attention span are i wouldn't say it's lower but it's much more competitive to get someone's attention because they have so much coming at their faces in terms of i know whether you're scrolling through your phone there's so many different notifications distractions even when you're outside there's just ads and things everywhere so you better make sure that when you do get the attention of someone they remember exactly who you were because of what you displayed in front of them
2: very useful And how has your experience of being an African contributed and how has your culture contributed to your work at Goodwill?
0: That's a good question. So in terms of my culture, just being African in general, I think I was able to bring in a slightly different perspective than anyone else really to the company just that fact I think it helps me kind of bring in that nuance in terms of for example when you're developing a new program or marketing campaign how an African person would view it how can you give that different point of view and I think that's been pretty important in terms of making sure that voice is heard of and I think even in terms of my culture being African or Mozambican I can't also negate the fact that I've lived a very long time in Switzerland as well so now I have this mesh of cultures and I went to international schools pretty much all my life which means that I also have a very international view of how things work. So I've always been in a case where in all my friends groups, there's always been so many different nationalities, and which means so many ways of thinking. So whenever I've approached anything at work, I've always kind of had that viewpoint of that. I'm not only producing something for myself, I'm producing something for other people who don't quite think like me, or don't, quite do things the way I do and I think that's incredibly important when you're building a community um, which is meant to be global
2: Mm -hmm. would you consider yourself a third culture kid
0: yeah yeah probably yeah because the thing is it's the fact that of course I haven't lived in Mozambique in so long so I mean if I were to go back and actually live there I think I'd be caught out quite quickly that I'm not like it's like ah you're not quite from here are you Mm -hmm. because I mean it's probably as soon as I start speaking Portuguese I'm not going to speak with the accent that people expect same thing here in Switzerland. Obviously, being a black man in Switzerland <laughs> doesn't lend well to people expecting me to be Swiss either. Kind of stuck between these two mm-hmm. cultures or two traditions, so to speak. I enjoy kind of just being kind of fluid and experiencing other people's cultures and just, you know, embracing and absorbing everything.
2: Thank you. I wanted to say if you've got anything else to add or any questions, in fact, for myself or for the community.
0: I think... A question for the community uh, you're a speaker as well in the open design africa festival so it's great you have all these different expert speakers with like different stories but i think i'd love to hear what you know just general people what do they think in terms of what does what does design for change mean for them or what the smallest massive mean for them i've always been interested in just seeing how different people see the world because it's generally so interesting how different people can be even if they've been raised in the exact same location two meters away from each other and just to see what other young people think are the biggest problems facing them in their local community in the international level what do they want to see change in the world what do they want to see made better i guess it's my way of launching one giant 60 second pitch challenge okay to anyone who's interested but yeah it would be really interesting to see because i think the most important thing is especially when we're talking about developing in africa for the future i think it's important that the future generations themselves have as much as a voice in this forum as possible Mm -hmm. so the more opportunity they have to get their voices actually listened to and shared i think the better
2: so that's a call to action then. Send your 60-second pictures of how you believe the world could be a better place. Yeah. To Goodwill. And well, we'll sign up for Goodwill, right?
0: Sign up, sign up to Goodwill. <laughs> always have a bunch of different challenges running on the platform. Hopefully you find something that's right for you. Now, of course, we'd love to see your talented voices shared on the platform and uh, listen to.
2: Quickly, what are some off the top of your head really inspiring examples of people taking that to heart, that message, you know, putting it on Goodwall and then it moving further?
0: I think, so there was this girl in India, she shared this idea about wanting to create a platform where young creators can have their work seen. And essentially what happened is that she started communicating with a bunch of different members on Goodwall that never met each other. They lived in different time zones, different countries. And then they got together and actually did it. They created like this online uh, platform where people could, young people, and they start sharing creatives. And they were, um, I haven't followed the story all the way through, but I believe they're in the process of creating physical, physical photo book or display book that would actually be sold and shared and featuring the work of talented young people from around the world. Yeah, this is this is something that just came top of my head, but like I'm, I'm sure that there's much more of this, and I hope there's much more of this going on throughout the
2: community so thank you if you'd like to tell me what's next for Goodwill Yeah,
0: sure. So we've got a bunch of events, programs, and product features coming out. So most notably, Better Together Africa. This is something we're really ramping up, hoping to make it a really amazing online experience used across Africa and making sure that we help impact their lives as positively as we can with the resources that we have. Another cool feature we're planning to launch is between these COVID times, we're launching virtual career fairs. So as companies and organizations slowly begin rehiring, we're trying to organize virtual career fairs, leveraging the portfolios that these talented young people have created on Goodwall, and allowing them to connect with companies on the virtual level, having these one-on-one chats or attending these fairs and learn more about the company, and hopefully get some really nice recruitment stories out of that as well. And then, as a general mission statement, to keep growing the community throughout the globe, but actually particularly in Africa, and keep. Hoping that we create an inspirational and supportive environment and that young people continue to give a platform uh, where they can showcase themselves beyond just their CV and then beyond just their paper.
2: Bruno, thank you. Where can people find you and Goodwall? People can find Goodwall or download Goodwall
0: on the App Store. So, App Store if you have an Apple device, Play Store if you have an Android device. We do also have a website, goodwall.io. You can sign up there as well. Come say hi, come check us out. Follow us on Instagram as well, at Goodwill App. As to where people can find me, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just shoot me a message, I'm sure, to get back to you.
2: Thank you, Bruno. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a great conversation.
2: Thank you too, man. It's been awesome. Have a great end of day.
1: Thank you to Bruno Songane for joining us and to Open Design Africa for collaborating with us on this five-part series under their theme Africa Rising. Head to opendesignafrica.org for more information about the Open Design Africa Festival and NairobiDesign.com to check out the other episodes from the series. This episode was produced by Brian of Jarrah Teng Sound Studios. Find him at da Vinci on Instagram. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Please leave a review or share this episode with someone who will enjoy it. You can subscribe to Africa Design on all platforms. Thank you. That's Africa with a K, guys.